Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, September 12. Make a special effort today to break out of some self-enclosure, whether selfishness or timidity or personal preoccupation. The growth toward maturity is a matter of escaping from one's ego prison. Expand your awareness to include the needs of others, then expand your feelings by sympathizing with those needs. Next, expand your self-identity by helping people to fulfill their needs. Finally, release yourself from self-identity altogether by telling yourself, it is not I who help anyone. I am only a channel for God's grace. The feeling will come to you at last. He alone is acting through me. He alone is the doer. Well, that is a really interesting and marvelous progression. It's, a, it's an explanation in just a few sentences of the whole power of selfless service. Seva is the Sanskrit word for it, which seva is not just work. A seva is when you're actually doing something with an attitude of service toward others, um, doing it for the sake of the, of the principle and of the goodness you can create, not that I'm trying to make something happen for myself. So Swamiji starts us here with this idea that the entire definition of the spiritual path is to expand our identity from limited to infinity. So he says, take a hold of it. You know, make a, make a decision to every day break out of some selfish enclosure. Selfishness, timidity, or personal preoccupation. Well, that's good. Selfishness, timidity is also a kind of self-enclosure. Just not having the nerve to take chances or to do something that I've never done before or to try something I, I've never tried, you know. Go to a restaurant and order a dish you've never eaten. I mean, that doesn't sound like very much, but it depends how timid you are. Speak up when, when you actually have an opinion and you're afraid to say it or when somebody habitually takes advantage of you and you know that it's not right. Break out of your self-enclosure. See, this is the this is the definition of spiritual expansion. Spiritual expansion is not self-abnegation. It's not self-suppression. It's, it's becoming the, the infinite that we're meant to be. Or some personal preoccupation. Always worried about what other people think of me. I have to dress in this certain way or I can't wear makeup or I can't dye my hair or I can't get a tattoo because people won't like me. Just thinking all the time about the kind of impression we're making and allowing the opinions of others or your fear of their opinions to actually dictate your behavior. This is not a good thing. This timidity, self-preoccupation, or just pure selfishness, where somebody needs your help and you just don't feel like giving it, where you know your family would be pleased if you got up in the morning and helped them in a certain way, but you don't want to do it, or a friend of yours needs assistance, but you don't want to give it, or somebody you know needs money and you have plenty of money to give it, but you're not going to give it. You know, just train ourselves every day, Swami says, every day. 
make a special effort. He says, we'll make a special effort today, but every day make a special effort to break out of whatever limits us. One, another way of putting this that I've, I've thought about often is just always just do a little more. It's, it's, it's surprising how if you just think about putting out a little more positive energy, just a little more, not a, not a huge amount, not life-changing, but just a little bit more, and get in the habit each time you have a choice of just pushing the boundary just a little bit, you'll be amazed over time how far you can push those boundaries, much farther than if you just just sort of one giant leap into the deep end of the pool, swim around for just a moment, and then have to jump back out to where you were. That's what I call the boing-back practice of yoga, (laughs) where you push yourself farther than you really can, and you find that you're on this elastic ball, and you boing back a little bit. Boing-back yoga is not really that effective. It's dramatic. It's entertaining. It keeps you from being bored. But in the end, you're just bouncing. You're not really going anywhere. But make a point today of expanding your boundaries. And then Swami gives us, you know, true maturity is to, is to recognize other people's realities as well as your own, to feel, to feel the needs of others, to just actually be somewhere and pay attention to what others might need. Just, you know, sitting at the lunch table, notice who's looking for the salt and reach over and hand them the salt. Just get in the habit of paying attention to the people around you and thinking about what they might need. Whether it's a a word of encouragement, whether they're a little confused about something that they're trying to do that you might be able to help them. Maybe to help them articulate something they're having trouble articulating. Maybe they need a half a sandwich, you know. Maybe they need encouragement to, who knows, to speak up themselves countless things. But start, Swami suggests, start by paying attention. Do you know what the people around you need? And I don't mean imposing on them what you think they need, but actually what they need. A woman friend of mine brought to me a very interesting situation once that that by the grace of God she was able to handle in the end very well. She had one child, a son, and he had come home to visit and she'd gone into his room and she'd seen his diary, and she couldn't resist, and she opened it. She found out that her son had decided that he was gay, and because he'd been away at college, and he'd met a professor, and various things had happened, and he was terrified to tell his mother. But he had resolved that he was going to tell his mother. And really, thank God she read his diary. So she calls me up, and she said, you know, He's going to talk to me. She said, he's my only son. You know, this is not the picture I had in my mind. Like, what are we going to do? So she and I just talked it out at great length. And I suggested to her that rather than trying to dissuade him, express what she was worried about, I said, why don't you just tell him quite simply, you have absolutely no experience and you don't know anything about what he's talking about. And so maybe you should tell me about it. You know, why don't you tell me what this is about? Because I have, there's no way I can tell you because you're, you're out of my realm of experience. And of course, what he needed from her was exactly that. He needed to be respected, to be taken seriously. And the best way to do it was just simple honesty. What can I say to you? Why don't you tell me? Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling. But of course, when she first read it, all she could think about was her own needs. I wanted him to marry. I wanted to have a daughter-in-law. 
you know, I had all these pictures in my mind of the children that we were going to have, all this. Of course, these days, all those things are possible, even when you, your partner is the same gender as yourself. This was a few years ago when such things were not so common. But nonetheless, she was thinking only of her needs. What are his needs in this? And after she did beautifully, because she was ready, she did exactly what was suggested. At the end of it, he was beyond grateful and said he never imagined that the conversation that they, they, they had was even going to be possible like that. You know, she, she, she noticed his need and responded to his need, not hers. Now that was a very dramatic example. But you can watch at all times. So the first thing is you notice that people need something. Then Swami has this wonderful thought that we get our feelings involved. Feelings, you see, are what motivate us to act. Because we can observe something, but if our feelings are not involved, we won't do anything about it. This is often the difference between the masculine and the feminine. The masculine can see that something is needed, and I'm talking about not just men and women, but masculine and feminine energy. Masculine energy perceives it, feminine energy feels something about it, and then demands an action. That's why often in partnerships between men and women, the woman is what's considered to be the shakti force. She'll, she'll make it happen. He'll observe it, she'll push him to act. Sometimes men appreciate it, sometimes they don't. But that's just, that is the way the male-female interacts. So Swami's saying, perceive the need, then you want your feelings involved because your feelings will motivate you to do something about it. So then we move from just observing that somebody needs something to doing what we can to help them. And that's exactly what my friend did with her son. She, she needed to help him because she loved him. She wanted to help him. So how can I help him? What can I do that will help him? It was a lot more than just passing the salt. But this is what we need to ask ourselves. It's very interesting, I've noticed, when I see someone on the street who needs money. You know, you can't always give money, and you don't always feel to give money. You don't always feel that giving money is even very helpful sometimes. But every so often I see someone and I just know they need my help. It was, it was interesting. I was with some friends in, Sanford, Sandy, in Los Angeles, actually. And we were, we were walking along the street and there was a, a family, a couple and maybe just one child. And they, they were sort of sitting there and they had some kind of a sign out. And there was a group of three or four of us and we all walked past them. And we walked about three quarters of a block. And then we all looked at each other and said, we have to help those people. And we all just turned around, gave them a very large sum of money. It turns out, somehow or another, they'd gotten stranded. And they didn't have enough money to get home. And, you know, we gave them what was a generous amount. They immediately just picked it up, took the money, and, and, you know, gratefully went off. And they were able to get back to wherever they were trying to get to. But it was just like we saw that they had a need. And at first we just walked past it, but then we felt their need. And when we felt their need, we went back and gave, and gave them what they needed. And so that's the next stage. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, helping people to fulfill their needs. And then Swami takes it even a step further. Finally, we release ourselves from the idea that I am the doer. That instant incident with that family was actually very interesting because we just it wasn't it wasn't an inspiration that we made up it was more like it came into our heads and it came into the whole group of us that that 
that God wanted us to help them is the only way I can say it, because it just uh, it was given to us that we should do it. And so, so this is a very important part of it also because when you begin to feel the needs of others, you can be overwhelmed by what you perceive. People have emotional needs, they have physical needs, they have financial needs, they have just countless needs. And if you open yourself to, to observing the needs of others, if you open yourself to feeling the needs of others, you can actually become overwhelmed and paralyzed. And that's where a lot of times people start out altruistic and they end up either cynical or shattered or all kinds of things because it's just too much. If I, the ego, am responsible. So we also have to begin to feel that the, the, the compassion, the ability to perceive, the compassion that's aroused, the capacity to help fulfill, none of it actually belongs to me. That, that I am part of a greater reality and the divine has a plan. He has a plan for the one who will be the recipient. He has a plan for the one who is the giver. And when I said, I walk by many people who, who could use help, but only once in a while do I really feel that I am supposed to help. And that's because of, of the consistent practice that, that is asking Divine Mother, what do you want from me? Not what is possible, what could be done, what is the world demanding. But Divine Mother, what is mine to do? And even in less complicated ways in the context of the people that I meet and the sangha that I'm part of and the travel that I do and I meet people in all kinds of places, not everyone is my responsibility. You know, I'm there, like we were saying in an earlier, um, one of earlier day in this, you know, one should be like a gardener and water all the plants. But some of the plants you have special responsibility for because God wants to use you, not because I have special responsibility. It's not personal. It's not, not like you belong to me or some coming in from past lives. This is what I owe you, even though that might be true. It's that God wants to use me. And, and it comes as, an, as a prompting from inside yourself not as an idea. And when we begin to move through life, especially in our service to others, with that thought in mind, instead of it becoming yet just one more oppressive identity for us, I have all this responsibility, I have to do this, I have to do that. I was amused by um, an acquaintance of mine, it's not someone I know well, a woman who has kind of an angry temperament. She likes being mad at everyone. You know, she's been a victim her whole life and she likes being mad. And then she discovered altruism and, and developed, she had the freedom to be altruistic. But she chose, I, I remarked actually to her mother, I remarked, but, but she's chosen all these causes <clears throat> that are really huge, difficult, you know, overwhelming problems so that she can still be angry all the time <laughs> because they're just, they're just too big to solve. And, you know, she's going into it with the same egoic attitude of I'm the one who's going to do it, and so she's, she's still fighting. But it's progress, because she's noticed the need, she feels the need, she's trying to solve the need. But what, ha- what has to come next is I am here, I am here as part of a greater reality. And I'm inspired by my connection to a higher consciousness 
to, to be an instrument of their consciousness. Because if I'm trying to fix the world, well, that's a long, thankless task that isn't likely to result in anything. And also, it doesn't change us. Altruism can actually make us more egotistical because we get so involved in being responsible either for the whole world or just proud of ourselves for noticing and helping. Then we get resentful when people don't appreciate us and it just goes on and on and never ends. But if I am just a humble servant of God and I am expanding my self-understanding by allowing God to work through me, then not only do I liberate myself, but the quality of what I give is, an, is uplifted by the consciousness of how I give it. And this doesn't have to be saving starving children. This can be just taking care of your kids, just helping your neighbors, just giving a kind word to the man at the grocery store. Notice their need, develop the compassion to fulfill it, and then feel that you are acting as an instrument of higher consciousness in doing so. So Swami says, Make a special effort today to break out of some self-enclosure, whether of selfishness or timidity or personal preoccupation. The growth toward maturity is a matter of escaping from one's ego prison. Expand your awareness to include the needs of others. Then expand your feelings by sympathizing with those needs. Next, expand your self-identity by helping people to fulfill their needs. Finally, release yourself from self-identity altogether by telling yourself, it is not I who help anyone. I am only a channel for God's grace. The feeling will come to you at last. He alone is acting through me. He alone is the doer. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.